It is the uh, Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. And uh, a lot going on today, live from the Baylor Club, beautiful view of McLean Stadium as we speak. And uh, proud to be joined by Paul Biancardi right now, the uh, National Recruiting Director for ESPN. And, uh, Paul, it's fun, to, it's fun to have you on again. I have to say um, the, uh, the news the other day that uh, you and your crew broke on uh, Keontae George uh, deciding to come to the Baylor Bears. I mean, that is a uh, – uh, that, that has really caused uh, ripple effects in, in the Big 12, what's still left of the Big 12. But uh, that – for Baylor, uh, and obviously winning the national title probably played a role in this, but this is one of the top recruits in the history of the school. Uh, Paul, how excited should Baylor fans be about uh, Keontae? Uh, really excited because he's a bona fide scoring two guard. He's got legitimate size, strength. He's got a deep jump shot. He also has the ability to put it on the deck and pull up. He finishes really well with body control. I love his balance, his poise. You know, his aggressiveness on the offensive end is good. Uh, And he does it within the framework of an offense. He's got to get better on the other side of the ball. But most of these highly ranked guys, you know, they all got to improve their defense because they get ranked or they get recruited because of their offensive, you know, talent. And he, he's, he's somebody that I think a lot of people maybe had pegged for Texas. So, you know, so when you put that in, you know, Baylor getting them, um, it, it, it's huge for Baylor. It really is because they keep their footprint in, in the state of Texas when it comes to recruiting because Chris Beard has definitely made waves. Uh, in the state of Texas when it comes to recruiting when he was at Texas Tech and now certainly at Texas. Now, Paul, this guy, Keontae is uh, listed at, at 6'4". Um, I'm always kind of curious, uh, you know, his teammate Artario, Artario Morris has ended up, like you talked about, University of Texas. Keontae, yeah. Baylor likes that positionless basketball. They like combo guards. You know, you've seen Jared Butler. You've seen Davion Mitchell. How does he? How does how does he compare to guys like that? And is he more of a pure shooting guard, or can he? Can does he like to have the ball in his hands? How does he? How does he sort of fit into what uh, what Baylor is trying to do? He likes to have the ball in his hands and then shoot it. <laughs> That's what he likes to do. Um, I, I don't see versatility. See, there's two ways to say this. To me, versatility is different things that you can do with your skill level uh, to impact the game and without your skill level, like rebounding, assists, steals, defending, charges, uh, different ways to impact the game. That's versatility to me. Multidimensional player is somebody who can slide you know, back to the one if you're a two and handle the point, think the game, set up others, and then at the same time, you can turn yourself on to uh, a two-guard spot, almost similar to Jared Butler, who played at, at Baylor last year. I thought he was, you know, in between that one and two spot. Um, I, I don't think Keontae, Keontae George, you know, he, he could play a two spot. That's his natural spot in my mind. Um, you know, if he had to play, if you play a three-guard offense, that's great. He, he's one of those three guards, but he has scoring on his mind, and, and that's what his DNA tells him to do first. And he does that best. 
Do you ever see high school players that, kind of like you're saying, they got to do more work on the other side of the court? But I, I sense that Davion Mitchell, for instance, was probably a really good defensive player in high school. I don't remember his recruitment uh, there to Auburn, but I, I obviously he he committed to that side of the ball. Do you, how often do you see that? players that maybe don't do a lot of that in high school but are able to snap it on their freshman year and get interested in the side of the ball is it is it still somewhat rare or are we seeing it more and more well with Davion Mitchell he was an ESPN top 100 prospect out of high school we had him ranked and 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 because he could play both sides of the ball with productivity Uh, same goes for Butler I mean I, I love Butler's defense and I loved his offensive IQ and his shot-making ability. Davion Mitchell became a great shooter, you know, 40% at Baylor over time. And we're talking over, you know, multiple years. But those two guys had it as, as seniors in high school, freshmen in college. Um, you know, most guys, like I said, are ranked because of their offensive you know, ability, their talent, or sometimes they just dominate the game with their physicality physical measurables, defense, rebounding, shot blocking for a lot of the bigs. Uh, some point guards will, will be ranked based on their ability to playmake, not great shooters. Um, and then sometimes you'll see those great playmakers uh, become great defenders as well. So it really is a case-by-case basis. But uh, I'd like to see more guys pay attention to the defensive end of the floor. Uh, but I think whether it's for society, the NBA game, uh, or just lack of experience at that point or a lot of coaches you know they just don't hold these high profile players accountable on the defensive end because they need them so much on the offensive end to win games Uh, I'm not saying they're not teaching defense I just don't know if they're emphasizing it as much Paul Biancardi joining us, national recruiting director for ESPN, been a successful uh, college coach knows a lot about the NBA as well Uh, Paul the uh, the Kendall Brown, Langston Love, Jeremy uh, Sochan uh, uh, showing up at Baylor, uh, part of this 2021 class that Baylor was so proud of. You know, they've got some transfers coming in, obviously the uh, Kenjo coming in from Arizona, and he's bounced around a little bit, so we'll verdict still out on him a little bit. Which of those three players I just mentioned, though, because all those guys were – somewhere on your list in, in, in players that you've watched and seen a lot of film of, um, which one of those players is it Brown who will have the most immediate impact? And who do you, who do you see having the best college career out of those players I mentioned? Well, Kendall Brown has everything but an offensive jump shot right now. Um, he, he doesn't stroke it well from the outside, but he contributes to winning on the defensive end. Now there's a player whose defense is ahead of his offense. His offense is good, but his defense is better. I think Kendall Brown can, can have the best career. He's got six, six size. Um, he's a shot blocker at six, six. He's a rebounder at six, six. He's an off ball defender who shoots passing lanes and gives weak side help. Uh, good on ball defender. And right now on the offensive end, finisher in transition, a driver, offensive rebound, putback. His offense needs to come, but I think he's a, well, I do know he's a worker and he's a winner and I think he'll grow with his offensive ability over time. So I I think, you know, in the long run, I think Kendall Brown could have uh, the best career though. Jeremy Sohan is really, really good. 
and uh, you know he'll play more of that four spot for Drew, maybe the three spot, and a guy can go three, three or four. Same thing with Kendall Brown; he can play two positions. Talking to P- Paul Biancardi, uh, national recruiting um, uh, director of recruiting for ESPN. Uh, Paul, can you help me out uh, with my alma mater, the Baylor Bears? Like, what do you when when you see all this uh, Big Twelve? What's going on? Do you sense and boy, you talk to all your insiders and you kind of watch this thing. Do you sense that Baylor will you know this Big Twelve? Big Twelve has been a great basketball conference. Do you? What does your gut tell you on this thing? You've seen conferences break up. You've been in different conferences. Do you sense that, boy, something will have to get done with the Pac-12? I mean, we've seen Gonzaga. They're not in a great conference, but still be one of the great programs in the country. I don't expect Baylor to go away at any time. But do you have a, a gut feel, Paul, for how all this is going to end up and, and, uh, and, and how do you feel like Kansas, Baylor, too, uh, obviously, Kansas is the more blue blood program over the years. Do you think they'll? What kind of spot do you think they'll find? Well, it depends if they're looking, right? Uh, obviously, Texas and Oklahoma were looking uh, for different mm-hmm. conference affiliation, and they found it. Uh, obviously, it was football based. You know, there's, there's one of two things I think that can happen: is everybody just stay calm, stay cool, stay where they are. Um, and, and teams may, you know, move here, move there uh, a little bit. But, you know, I don't think there's a reason for a domino effect and a big panic by other institutions. If, if the Big 12 doesn't have Texas and Oklahoma, it's a loss, but you still have a great conference in basketball. And, um, you know, wasn't it the Big 8 a long time ago? Weren't there only eight teams at one time? Um, I'm not sure who the eight teams were back then, but I think it was like Texas, Texas A&M. Um, I don't know if Arkansas was in it or not. Uh, that was the Southwest Conference. Mm-hmm. But my point is, a, a long time ago, you know, there were the conferences were much smaller. You see, they're getting bigger now. But if I'm the Big Twelve, I, I don't panic. Um, I still have a great conference of basketball, and uh, now it hurts from a football standpoint more than anything to lose Texas and Oklahoma, um, or the other end of the spectrum. Just someday could be all these power five conferences, we'll say, and maybe one or two more, um, like a 50-team conference. And these are the best of the best, the biggest of the bigs, and they just they just all unite into one huge conference, and then mm-hmm. everybody else is somewhere else. I, I mean, it's the only thing I can think of at this point. Um, stay calm, stay cool, stay connected to your conference. You know, you don't have to bring in other schools because you lost two schools. I mean, you're not going to bring in anybody that has the magnitude of, of Texas and Oklahoma for football. Yeah. Um, you know, why bring in two other schools unless you need to numbers-wise? But you, you could water down your product if you do that. So I just say stay calm and stay cool and stay together. Uh, and or in the next three to five years, you may just see like 50 teams just, just come together and be a power conference. Yeah, I, I I don't know. It's all changing before our very eyes. What I mean, what if they like added Gonzaga? I mean, it, it turned it into like a basketball. I mean, think about that. I mean, they already have you know even without Texas and OU, it's a pretty good group. But if they added to it, who knows? We we dare to dream. Are you seeing uh, yeah. Paul this uh, this reclassification thing? Are are you thinking we're going to 
see more and more of that happening. I just, you know, it's got to be interesting for you who monitor these, these, these kids get on your radar when they're in eighth or ninth grade and, and you see them come up and then all of a sudden they, they reclassify or they enter earlier and now they have the G League opportunity. Are, are we about to, are we on the cusp? We even saw it with football this year with a kid from uh, South Lake Carroll going to Ohio State. Are we on the cusp of this happening a lot more? It could because you have um, the G League, obviously, if, like they went after a young man by the name of uh, Scooter Henderson from Georgia. He was a junior in high school, but he reclassified up and finished his high school diploma uh, so he could go to the G League as, as their point guard. So, you know, usually they've reclassified to go to college. Now there's a player who's reclassified to go to the G League. Um, so, I, and I, I think a lot of kids too, they, they play semantics and the people around them play semantics. You know, they'll keep them behind um, knowing that they're really a grade ahead. And at the last minute, they'll say, or we're going to reclassify up. And most times they're going into their natural grade. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're reclassifying up and going early. Sometimes they do go early. Uh, but I would say at least half of them, when they reclassify up, that was the grade they were in originally. Uh, so, again, there's a lot of semantics with it. But I, I think you're seeing it more so than ever with the, the high-profile guys. Paul, listen, we uh... – we appreciate it, and um, we'll just keep covering the Big 12 until they uh, until it doesn't exist anymore. And um, and you keep telling us about all these great players that are coming in here. I, I did. I grew up in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and I did not realize that like Louisville. <laughs> I mean, it had become suddenly the mecca of college basketball oh. players. So <laughs> oh, that, that high school in Louisville has Keontae George. It has Arterio Morris is going to be there. Um, they have another young man, Matt Matt Graham, I believe, a big kid. Um, that you know, they're, they're loaded with talent. And uh, Texas is a great state for basketball. We know it's an elite state for football, but it has its elite prospects in basketball. And I think because the grassroots game has gotten so big, I think that it's helped in that development. Paul, appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you again. All right, thank you for having me.